0: Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Big day after the United States finished up group play at the 2015 Gold Cup with a 1 1 draw against Panama. Certainly on your mind, and we will talk about that. Perhaps later in the show, we can hit it here, the top, the United States drew Panama. It was what it was. It was a poor first-half performance from the Americans. Did not come out with any real fire, any real uh, impetus. It did not seem to be interested in really taking Port Panama on in that game. The Panamanians, of course, needed a win to make sure that they would progress into the knockout rounds. Yuri Klinsman clearly didn't like what he saw. Made two changes at halftime inserting Clint Dempsey and DeAndre Yedlin into the lineup. It made a a significant difference from the very beginning of the second half, specifically Dempsey, but also the fact that uh, with Alejandro Bedoya on the left and Yedlin on the right, the United States had consistent width. That enabled them to get up the wings, find a way behind the Panamanian defense, and ultimately get the equalizer because it was not a good performance from the United States. Now, how how much do we put into that performance considering that, again, they had already... Locked up Group A. They were already booking their tickets for Baltimore on Saturday. This game was hot and humid in in Kansas City. Uh, the crowd was fantastic. The best performance of the night by anybody that was American was by the crowd at Sporting Park. I don't know. Not sure you put a lot into that. By virtue of that draw, Panama sits in third place. They await their fate as the remaining two groups will play out over the next two days. Haiti beat Honduras one nothing, eliminating Honduras. Haiti will advance as a second-place team in Group A. Pretty stunning stuff from the Haitians. Pretty stunning uh, failure by the Hondurans, who look to be a good enough side to make it into the knockout rounds under Jorge Luis Pinto. Before that game last night, the 2015 MLS All-Star 11, voted on by the fans, was announced lots of rabble uh, rabble-rousing and pitchfork uh thrusting and uh torch lighting over these names. Well, maybe not over the names voted on by the fans except for the uh the absence of one significant name. Certainly over the picks by Don Garber who gets two commissioner's picks. Here's first of all your fan voted 11. Nick Romano in goal, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler, and Demarcus Beasley as your defenders. Kaká, Michael Bradley, Benny Failhaber, and Graham Zusi as your midfielders. Clint Dempsey, David Villa, and Femi Martins, who is uh, the AT&T slash EA Sports more than a vote tournament winner, whatever that means, are your forwards. I don't really have any issue there except for maybe Graham Zusi, who hasn't had a good year so far. Not Certainly not an all-star year. But this is a popularity contest. Let's see. American International, American International, American International, American International, uh, Kaká. American International, American International, American International, American International, David Villa, Obafemi Martins. Uh, yeah, I think it explains itself. Now, there was no Sebastian Jovinko. He will be either in the All-Star Game or picked to the All-Star Game. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Don Garber selected Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard as his picks. Now, that's where the real concern seemed to be going uh, on Twitter. That Don Garber would dare to pick two guys who hadn't even played a minute yet. What? How dare he pick two players who haven't even suited up for their MLS team? How dare he do that in in an uh, an all-star? Wait, an all-star game? An all-star game. Keyword being star. It's a marketing gimmick, guys. It's an exhibition. It's supposed to show off the league for people who aren't you. It's not for you. It's not, it's not paying you back for watching the league over the first half of this. No. It, don't, it doesn't care about you in this situation. Hopefully he does overall, but in this situation, he doesn't care about you. He cares about spreading the gospel of MLS by whatever means necessary. In this case, those means are two famous English players who just so happen to be signed up with MLS. In fact, it may be dereliction of duty if Mr. Garber did not pick Gerard and Lampard. In fact, where's Andrea Pirlo? Oh, he's still a couple weeks away, uh, fitness-wise. Okay, fine. I get that. Have him, trot him out there, have him take a couple free kicks. I mean, why not? It's an exhibition. It's an all-star game. Now, the only problem here, this was certainly brought up last night on Twitter after these names were announced, is that there are built-in bonuses into some players' contracts, should they be named to the all-star team. Now, the full squad is actually thirty-two players. Not everybody will dress, not everybody will travel. There will be players who will get their bonus despite the fact they won't be showing up at the All Star Game. Thomas on Thomas 19064. That's Mike on Twitter. Don Garber is destroying the integrity of the most prestigious game of all, the All Star Game. <laughs> uh, the most prestigious All Star game. Well, not really. And you know, I found it hilarious last night. That we're watching this soccer match. And we're seeing uh, Rob Stone announce the MLS All-Star 11 voted on by the fans. Don Garber's picked Gerrard and Lampard. And the commercial that we get is the ML- uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game commercial from Fox. that talks about how it's the most important All-Star Game of all All-Star Games. It's the All-Star Game to end All-Star Games or whatever. And... It decides who gets Game Seven of the of the World Series, and I just want to smack my face in the you know smack myself in the forehead and go, well, that's stupid. Don't be giving away home field advantage in the championship series because of the All Star. game. At least MLS doesn't do stupid stu- stupid stuff like that, guys. The bonus thing matters, and yeah, they you know two two players may miss out on a bonus, and that's that's terrible. But the grander picture is those guys are going to sell tickets, and those guys are going to get eyeballs. And that's why they got picked. Uh, FIFA has turned down a request for Seth Blatter to attend a Senate panel hearing regarding the corruption scandal at FIFA. Senator Jerry Moran's office has reached out to FIFA to explore the possibility of having Mr. Blatter testify, but the organization declined. FIFA did not immediately respond to a request for comment, and Blatter's legal representative in the U.S. declined to comment. This is from Reuters, Mark Hosenball, and our friend Simon Evans. Now, that is the headline here because it's South Blatter, but but in this story also indicated is that Cinell Galati will not attend this Senate panel hearing either. Now, I know Cinell Galati's a busy man. He's got a federation to run. He's got, uh, he's got classes to teach. You got stuff to do at whatever he does with the revs. But the U.S. soccer sending CEO Dan Flynn instead of Sneel is a bad look. It's a bad look. It's it's a bad look. I don't care if if US soccer didn't do anything wrong. I don't care if they are completely above all of this FIFA shenanigans. You send your C you send your president because that's what you're supposed to do. Now should the Senate panel hearing be going on about FIFA corruption? I, I don't know. Some murkier waters. But if they ask, you send Seniel Galati. You don't send Dan Flynn. No offense to Dan Flynn. You send the, the big guy, the head guy, the, the chief, the top dog, the, the A number one honcho, whatever those, yeah. That's who you send because that what, that's what looks best. No, that's what puts your organization in the best light. If, FIFA, if, if the Senate says we're investigating FIFA corruption, we'd like to talk to U.S. soccer. You send the president. Sorry. Coming up on this show, Brian Sharetta from American Soccer Now in the New York Times. We're going to talk USA Panama in just a couple minutes. We'll break that one down. We'll talk about what's going to happen in the quarterfinals and how the Americans look. And then later on the show, Andy Brassel. From the Guardian, ESPN FC, many outlets. He'll join us to talk about all of the transfer news in Europe, including Bastian Schweinsteiger to Manchester United, Raheem Sterling to Manchester City, Iker Casillas to Porto. There's so many things to talk about. That should be an interesting discussion. Stay there. Let's get yourself get yourself ready. Uh, I don't know, get your coffee, get your donuts, whatever. Brian the other side of this. Soccer Morning World Soccer Talk dot com. This Saturday, the U.S. men's national team will play in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup and will be two steps away from reaching the final for the sixth consecutive tournament. Soccer Morning listeners, I'd like to invite you to join me as I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions during the game live on Rabble.tv. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. With Rabble, you can listen to my broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Will Jurgen Klinsman be able to get this U.S. team firing in all cylinders again? Find out this Saturday, July 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern, and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me live on TV.
0: Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Here we are on Soccer Morning talking USA Panama Gold Cup campaign for the Americans with our friend Brian whose who's working you can find in American soccer now and also at the New York Times. Brian, how are you today?
2: Oh, good morning, Jason. Uh, thanks for having me on, as always.
1: So it's good to have you, Brian. Now uh, The United States closed out group play with a 1-1 draw against Panama last night. And like those first two performances against Honduras and Haiti, it was underwhelming, uh, to say the least. Uh, you know, I guess with a free roll in this game, Klinsman had the opportunity to maybe try to build on uh, whatever rhythm had come out of those first two matches. Very little. Certainly changed things over against Haiti. Did you see anything team-wide that made any sense from what Klinsman was trying to do?
3: No, I mean there was a couple individual perspectives that that
2: that worked out. I mean I thought uh you know Alejandro Bedoya's reintroduction reintroduction to the team after a couple months of injury helped the team uh quite a bit. But aside from that, uh, you know, it was un- it was underwhelming. I mean, not really not much particularly from the starting lineup worked uh at all. And uh, you know, it was it was disappointing. I mean, it was, a, it was for the third straight time they've come out flat. They weren't able to match the intensity of their opponent. And there's, and there's really not a lot of cohesion right now. And I think that the team was, uh, was, uh, perhaps lent, you know, down there. There was a false sense of security maybe from the, from the high profile friendly victories that they had, you know, a month earlier. Uh, and I think they're starting, you know, the, it really is a case study about the difference between uh, friendlies and real competition—it's just completely different. Well, that um, that
1: makes Brian. That makes sense in the game against Honduras, but they were sort of yeah. out, they were outplayed for almost the whole match against Honduras, and and managed to find two set piece goals. Good for them, but that that should have been the warning sign. That should have been the alarm bells to fix whatever was. Uh, is this about personnel? Is this about Klinsman bringing a roster that doesn't fit what he wants to do, and that's part of the problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of, it's all kinds of problems right now. I mean, there's, uh, for example, I mean, one of the things he lamented after the Haiti win was that there was a lack of width and, uh, and that they weren't able to attack out wide. Well, then what happens when, and then he started this match with Morales. I mean, granted, Bedoya's, you know, use has been useful out wide, but you know, you have know, to remember his club, he plays centrally too. He had Bradley and Beckerman also. So there really wasn't a lot, where's the width there? There was, there, there was no wide play so i mean there it's just been kind of um uh there's really kind of a lack of cohesion uh maybe the game plan's not right from the start, and uh you know it's it's now there's going to be you know now he has more than three days to perhaps think about it um and how he's going to get it right for the quarterfinals but yeah i mean they they they're, they haven't responded well to the wake up calls uh you know that each game is presented um the following game is has, has yet to be a um a step up in that regard. And it all began with the Guatemala-friendly. I mean, they won 4-0 in that game. But, uh, you know, Clemson, the first thing he said, was not impressed and not pleased with that win. And, and, you know, Guatemala squandered a bunch of golden opportunities. And, you know, and so it's really about four straight games in, in, in quick succession that have just not gone right. Mm.
1: Uh, you know, we'll get to some of these performances individually in a minute. Um, certainly names I want to pick out. But it seems as though where we are is is where we were, and that's relying on Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley. And, and And let's be honest about this: Michael Bradley hasn't played all that well over three matches, but has popped up in crucial moments. Um, that that's that the team is still relying on those guys to figure a way to pull them out of the fire when when they find themselves in these predicaments.
2: Absolutely, I mean, there's you know you can't really point to much by way of you know newcomers. You know, Zardes is hot and cold. You know, every now and then he, he, you know, he produces a a moment of brilliance and then, then kind of starts turning the ball over with a bad first touch, you know, too regularly. So yeah, there's been no consistent real newcomer, newcoming impact players, uh, on this team so far, you know, in quite some time. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it kind of leaves you wondering, you know, what, where's the direction of the team right now so far at this point in the cycle? I mean, we remember Bob Bradley in uh, 2011 after, you know, a pretty good World Cup cycle uh yeah, up to the 2010 World Cup, the team was stale after that. And then uh, there really was no lack of, there was a lack of new ideas. And it was just kind of like hoping that that success at the 2010 World Cup would kind of, you know, the momentum from that would keep going. And, you know, and it did not. And I think that's what led to his firing, not saying that's gonna happen with Jurgen, uh that's a completely different set of circumstances. He's a very powerful coach right now and very, very powerful man in the Federation. But at the same point though, too, you're starting to get the impression though that um, you know, no one's really no one knew is stepping up and really that the only thing that's kinda of keeping this team moving along is just a couple of leftovers and, and uh, from the from the World Cup uh last year.
1: Let me turn to one of the more troubling areas of the team at the moment and it's been uh, evident over three matches and that's uh this the the, the defense, the backline in in totality although I think Fabian Johnson has acquitted himself relatively well when he's been in there but certainly the center back pairing whether it's Brooks and Alvarado or Reem and Gonzalez um, and and we have to throw Timothy Chandler and his performances in have been abysmal. I mean, disastrous. Now I think Brooks improved massively in the second half last night, Brian, uh, and and certainly had a, a showy tackle to keep a, a, a Blas Perez breakaway from turning into something dangerous. And Alvarado sort of you know figured things out a little bit too. But that, that that had a lot more to do with the U.S. and their posture going forward than it did maybe even those players. What's the fix? I mean, is Klinsman going to be so committed to his uh, to his Alvarado Brooks pairing, that we're just going to have to deal with the growing pains?
2: Yeah, I mean, predicting Clemson and, and how long he sticks with players is very tough. I mean, the fact that Chandler is still, you know, such a big part of his team, uh, and despite really any kind of positive showing under his entire tenure, is kind of surprising. Um, you know, and the fact that he hasn't moved on and looked at other options, particularly at the right back role, you know, Ch- Chandler's performance was, was abysmal. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Uh, and the reason why some of these guys, Brooks, did look better in the second half, I agree with you, and my match ratings reflected that. But the thing is also Panama started to tire uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit in the second half, and and I think that made everyone look a little bit better. But we all kind of saw everyone was kind of exposed when you know when Panama had their legs to them, uh in that first half. But you know we have to remember that Alvarado was not a good performance, and and you do wonder why Clinton is very committed to him too. I mean, look, the, he has played. Uh, the discounting alone to Nacoxa, which is in the second tier in Mexico, his total first tier minutes, first, you know, uh, the Liga MX minutes is still around 1400, uh, for his career. That's, that's nothing. That's, right. that's, that's a little bit more than maybe half of a season in total. I mean, and now all of a sudden he's given the keys, uh, and uh, for these very big games, and there was no gradual introduction. There hasn't really been, that great of a performance. You can hang around saying like, look, I want to give this guy, you know, just a freeway to be our number one starter. It's kind of unbelievable. And you have to, re- and heading into this tournament too, uh, Alvarado had yet to play a competitive game for the U.S. national team and John Anthony Brooks had only played one. So it's very, very inexperienced, um, you know, central defense pairing, you know, and then Tim Ream, is, you know, he, yeah, he's come off two very good seasons with Bolton. You can make a very good, uh, argument that he should have been included with this team. But at the same point, why, would he, why did he see absolutely almost no minutes since October for this team? No significant minutes. I think maybe it was like a handful of minutes he's played since October. Then all of a sudden, boom, he's know. Uh, you know he's the first choice backup for this team. You know the fact that Matt Beasley and Omar Gonzalez are are not you know Omar's with the team not playing as much, Matt's not with the team. I mean those are proven Concacaf winning um, uh, a proven CONCACAF winning central defense pairing. I mean, these are guys that started throughout the Hex, you know, they played in the Gold Cup, uh, two years ago, and they, and they, they were, they won each time. They won the Hex. It was, they would, they had a, they played phenomenal in a, in a 0-0 zero-zero draw against Mexico and Azteca in World Cup qualifying. I mean, that's a proven equation. That's a proven team at this level, but yet he's kind of going with another route right now that's very unproven, and it's not really looking. So yeah, there is a quick fix, I think. Um, you know, uh, with, with Diesel and Gonzalez. I mean, that's, like I said, it'll win at this level. But um, whether or not he wants to do that, whether or not he's more forward-thinking, whether or not he has a longer-term vision, uh, that's a that's very much an open question, and one I think that will be revealed in probably over the next week. It's, um, it's, I don't have the answer for it.
1: It seems as though he is making problems for himself. I mean, that, that includes and, – and I'm not saying that John Brooks can't be a, a future anchor for this team, but right now at 22 – with limited international experience in a, in a tournament you want to win, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, and, and we talk about a lot about the depth at uh, at the holding mid uh, defensive mid position. I mean, not exactly the same role, but in in this team, the Kyle Beckerman role. And yet, really, does anybody trust anybody else but Kyle Beckerman, Brian?
2: No, I mean, it, it's look, the, uh, Kyle Beckerman when he's with Michael Bradley at times has shown, has shown very very good chemistry and you know i think unfortunately sometimes when you don't have really wide players or a midfield unit that that chemistry suffers but you know when firing at a you know on all cylinders beckerman and bradley are are very good together but yeah beckerman's 33 i believe right now so it's you know the, the, the you know who is going to step into that role you know has not really been very much explored and he had 12 friendlies i think leading up to this gold cup uh since the world cup um you know where is Perry Kitchen and you know Danny williams yeah he 's been injured, but Morales is playing more of a wide position yeah. as opposed to the holding midfield that he plays with that he was really good with with Ingolstadt, uh, so you it's, wonder it's, whether it's, or not i mean they're, 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 they've really explored all the options there at the holding midfield well, it's, it's, a very it, good point. it's
1: not it 's not Clement's fault that they will trap got a concussion hasn 't been able to play in months i mean that i't maybe Will right. Trap's not ready, but you you would have you probably would have explored that possibility. Uh, so there, but, but there are other areas. I mean, we, as we saw when he went to this four-four-two diamond uh, in the first game with Yedlin and Zardis, there was there was clearly a, a, a problem there, lack of cohesion in the midfield. Yesterday, there was uh, there wasn't much midfield uh, cohesion, in the, certainly in the first half, he makes a change. He puts Yedlin on the right, swaps Badoya over to, over to the left, and I thought, as you, you you've identified it several times, if we if we want to talk about something positive, let's talk about Alejandro Bedoya, who I think was the only one on the field for a while who had any notion of of how to get forward
2: and playing defense too i mean <laughs> it was a very good performance i think on both sides of the ball for adoy i mean he ran out of gas um understandably so it was a very hot day um and he hadn't played in two months but yeah it was um you can kind of see he's just a, you know he just knows how to play the game he knows what it takes to win and he knows how to put in a complete performance you know particularly from the starting whistle whereas yeah you know, let's face it. Giassi's Zardes and DeAndre Edlin have looked much better coming off the bench than they have for the, in the starting lineup it's um uh you know I think that's uh, that's pretty clear at this point too that um you know but Badoya is a starter he's a guy who likes to come in from the opening whistle you know he, he know and he knows you know he he's good at handling teams when they're not just on tired legs and just going to run out of them and run at them He knows how to get back play defense, you know make good passes. He has a good positional sense of, you know, how to get himself in the dangerous opportunities while at the same point not getting pulled out of position so he can, you know, get back and, uh, you know, force turnovers. So yeah, it was, um, you know, the fact that he's back right now is a very, very good sign for the U.S. team because he's a true starter. You know, he's a guy that you can trust on the opening list.
1: Let's go look. uh, Let's look at the striker situation. Uh, Obviously, Dempsey coming on at halftime for Wondolowski made a big difference. Um where were you on on Wando because I didn't necessarily think uh, a lot of what went wrong in the first half was his fault and he certainly you know he certainly put in the the effort he certainly pressured the ball as much as he as he physically could that was to me that wasn't Wondolowski's terrible getting him out of the team bringing Dempsey that was we need to make a change Zardis is is obviously younger legs more dynamic legs than than Wondolowski to play up against a more stationary type of player in Dempsey, who's going to combine?
2: Yeah, I thought Wanda did a good job. Um, I mean, I, I, I was kind of thinking whether or not who he's going to come in, you know, when Dempsey was definitely going to come in at halftime. You know, I, I was kind of leaning that he was going to come in for Zardes, but at the same point, Zardes, when the game opens up, which they do in the second half when teams tire, you know, you're going to want a faster guy out there, and Zardes does that. But Wando uh, acquitted himself well. I mean, he was not at fault for that first half. Um, if anything, he was—he had a couple of the nicest plays of the game mm-hmm. and up, up to that point in the first forty-five. I mean, remember that 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 pass to Bedoya that sprung what what many people thought should have been a red card for the foul from behind. Yeah, um, that was a beautifully played wa- ball from Wondolowski that over the defense perfectly weighted, um, very visionary. I thought that um, you know, that was one of the best, maybe the best play of the first forty-five minutes. And then also. Uh, in the 18th minute, he made a nice swing ball out to, uh, Bedoya, uh, out wide. He spotted him coming out open and then Bedoya, instead of, he had a couple guys open in the box, Bedoya elected to shoot from close range, yeah. but even though it was at a tough angle, yeah. um, but both those plays, the best, two best scoring opportunities came, you know, uh, Wanda was a big, big part of it. So yeah, I understood why he was taken out, but I also understood that, you know, I also felt he played well and, um, you know, he should hold his head up high, I mean, for that performance.
1: We've identified that this team relies on Michael Bradley to pop up in those big minutes. He obviously got the goal last night, but I just I don't know what it is. Um, you know we've, we've seen him play at an extremely high level, uh, but he's also had stretches where it's just maybe a tick or two off. Brian, he didn't seem to be sharp last night. I, I counted numerous times when he had an opportunity to 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 pick out a player with a pass and, and just was a, was a little off turn the ball over more than I, than I certainly would like to see. Where do you rate Michael Bradley right now? Because you can't take him out of the lineup.
2: No, you can't. I mean, look, Bradley's an, I, I, he's never going to, I don't think, it's very tough for him to lift a team entirely by himself, like it is with any player. Um, and when the rest of the midfield struggles, it becomes easier to take Michael Bradley out of the game. Um, you know, he's now he's got the captain's armband. Everyone, he's the focus of the, you know, a lot of teams, you know, Their game, their defensive game plan is stopping him. Um, You know, so he has a big bullseye on his on his head, on his back. In that regard, um, that's kind of he becomes at his best when when there's better wide players and the game opens up a little bit more. He's able to find more holes. But when the game's played very narrowly, um, like it was last night, like I said, there was there was no outside midfielders or guys midfielders that play comfortably out wide until the second half. Um, and that's why you saw him better in the second half. But like in the first half when it was Morales, but, uh, Beckerman, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, himself, it was, uh, you know, the, it was a narrow game and, and it was, a uh, and there was not really much room for him to operate. So really the, the game plan has to be kind of geared towards Michael Bradley. And, you know, I think I, you know, Yedlin did a big part. I think even when he wasn't at his best and his touch let him down, Yedlin did a good job in terms of helping open up the game in the second half. and, um, when the when the when the defense was stretched, Michael Bradley was able to you know perform better.
1: You'd like to see DeAndre Yedlin put a couple of extra moves into his repertoire. I mean, he has that. Yeah, he has to draw. You know, he has the tap and drive by with his speed. But he <laughs> he had that moment last night where he just didn't have anything left in the bag and slams <laughs> slams chest first into a Panamanian defender. Uh, if he can put a couple more moves in his bag, it'd be great. Um, I, I want, oh, here we go. The, the next step, uh, for a lot of people is going to be thinking about the changes that Jurgen Clinton will make to this roster. Yeah. He can swap out six guys. I looked at the provisional roster, Brian. I don't know if I see six changes, although it, it looks like on Twitter, Josie Aldor heavily implying that he may not be part of this team moving forward. It says, always a pleasure to be part of U.S. soccer. All the best to the boys the rest of the way. Keep the cup, et cetera, et cetera. So if Josie's out, you have to replace him with a, with a striker. I'd like to see Agudelo, but where would you imagine that Klinsman will go with this uh, with his next group?
2: You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Agudelo has not had a good run; has not had a good month um, for uh, New England. Uh, I think the last four or five games have been—you uh, know—New England is in a tailspin right now, and Agudelo hasn't really, you know, helped the cause too much um, for them. But maybe he he performs better. Uh, you know, with the national team than he does with his club. wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But yeah, there's not many options. I mean, Jordan Morris is hurt. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I guess you could, if you're going to go for a target forward, you know, you always have Alan Gordon. I don't know, necessarily think that that's going to happen either. But yeah, it's, it wouldn't I, surprise I don't know me. What, what's going to happen. It wouldn't surprise with
1: that, with me. That. Brian, uh, to, me? Alan Gordon would not surprise me because it's Jurgen Klensman. <laughs> that's
2: all I'm going to say. No, decide. absolutely. I mean, I. Uh, Predicting what Jurgen Klinsmann is 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 going to do is is impossible. I mean, I will say that the the, the most surefire addition is going to be DeMarcus Beasley. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, because, oh, look, Beasley is going to free up Fabian Johnson um, to either move into the midfield, which he always says is his best position, or move to right back and bail out Timmy Chandler. Um, So, you know, Beasley becomes a little bit more of a no-brainer. But, you know, a lot of people were thinking that, you know, Matt Beasley should be on this team, especially with the Brooks now suspended. For the, for the for the quarterfinals, but even then, you know, uh, I don't necessarily know how much you know he thinks uh, of Beasley as part of his team's future these days. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it doesn't look. You know, Josie's match fitness has been you know has been an issue for him uh, since he's come back from his hamstring injury, and you know, obviously, he did not look very good at all against Haiti. So um, you know, perhaps a change is going to be made, and, and if he wants to size a forward, uh, you know, Alan Gordon. Does fit that bill, does fit that mold. But then again, you know Agudelo part of the future too, and regardless of poor form lately, maybe uh, maybe he gets the nod.
1: Well, I'm just I'm just again looking at this group. Um, you know, the, the, to start with the defenders, as you mentioned, Matt Beisler is the obvious candidate to come in and help uh, help at center back, especially with with Brooks suspended. Uh, you still have. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Michael Orozco, I guess, is a possibility as well. He's not with the team now, right? Um, Breck Shea's on the list, but is Breck Shea healthy? Um, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's an a, a option there in the midfield. If we went through this, uh, Joe Corona, he didn't make the, the final twenty-three. Brad Davis, who had been swapped out for Greg Garza. Um, Perry Kitchen's on the list. Uh, that's, that's
2: that's an interesting. He's an interesting candidate, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Perry. Uh, you know, he he came in against the, in the second half against Mexico and filled the void nicely when when they took out Beckerman. So, um, you yeah, know, Perry's a guy. I mean, I think would be pretty good. You know, addition to the team moving forward. But at this point, it's about an experience. I don't necessarily not know if it's if it's about uh, you know blooding a guy like uh, Perry who's still new to the team.
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly. And then at Ford, as we mentioned, Juan I could tell is the name that stands out. You said Jordan Morris is hurt. We know that. And uh, Alan Gordon's the other, the only other name that hasn't been called in. So there's not a lot of room here to make a bunch of changes that are suddenly going to change the, the tenor of this. And, of course, I mean, you, you took your 23 that you thought were going to get you momentum heading into the knockout round. And I guess that's the question here, Brian, is as they get ready to go to Baltimore on Saturday, and we still don't know who they're going to end up playing, Do they have momentum? Can they feel confident at all? I mean, does that second half, even though you drew that game with Panama, give you the sense that you're good enough to go win a Gold Cup?
2: I mean, momentum changes so quickly in this sport. I mean, it's um, you know the answer is no. Momentum is not with them. I don't think that the team could, you know, um, you know, even though there were some good moments there in the second half, it looked like they had momentum. It's Panama. It's these are CONCACAF teams the fact that you haven't put together, you know, uh, you know, you have two, one narrow, one goal, one goal wins and a a draw against in group play of the gold cup. Um, is not enough to, you know, to, uh, to feel good about yourself or to feel for the team to feel like they're, you know, they're playing at the level it takes to, you know, defeat Mexico in this tournament or even Costa Rica. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, Saturday is a is a long time away. It's not, it's not like a three day, two day, rest, two day rest like they've been getting. Um They have a they have some time here now to figure it out. And perhaps, you know, when Demarcus Beasley rolls in and and maybe another player or two, um, you know, they refocus now and uh you know and they start and it gives Clemson some more options and think with the team. And then, you know, maybe they start the team that they start a game off right and then momentum builds from there.
1: That would be the hope, Um, you know. And and you you don't want to look at it this way. You want to take care of your business. You want to look at at your keep your house in order, play the best you can to make yourself uh, believe you are going to be able to go and win the tournament. But in relation, and and you just you did say, I mean, maybe this isn't good enough to be Mexico or Costa Rica, and yet Mexico and Costa Rica right now aren't playing very well either, Brian. They don't look very good. They certainly shouldn't have a whole lot of confidence. It's it's a wacky Gold Cup tournament so far.
3: Yeah, I mean.
2: You know, college and cap has improved. I mean, I think it's not, it's not just, you know, a a, a tournament where, you know, the U S and Mexico can, you know, send out, you know, close to their best team and sleepwalk into the finals. I mean, as we saw, you know, with Costa Rica at the world cup. um, Although I think that the team's taken a big step back without Pinto as the head coach, but, um, you know, one these teams can they can sneak up and, and pull off impressive results anywhere. Um, Costa Rica was terrific at the World Cup, and um, you know, and Mexico was unlucky to, to lose to Holland. So it's a it's a stronger region, and Mexico shouldn't even been at the World Cup. Um, uh, you know, if it wasn't for um, zuzi so it, it's um, you know, it, 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 concrete is full of surprises, uh, both internally at the hex, and then at, you know, and, and when it goes to you know FIFA tournaments, so yeah, um, it's it's a little bit more unpredictable. I still think you're going to get a U.S. Mexico final, but at the same point though, too, the 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 other teams are catching up, and and the results are there's not as many lopsided results um, as there used to be.
1: We should expect the uh, the changes to the roster to be announced uh, a little bit uh, later today, early this afternoon on the East Coast, I would imagine. Uh, again, we're just sort of guessing at this. Jurgen Klinsmann is is maddening in a in a bunch of different ways Brian both because of the way he talks and then his actions and also because you know I, I watch him on the sideline getting frustrated with the way the way his team plays and yet I, again I think a lot of us even those of us who aren't uh, particularly adept at tactics can see the issues that are, are are right there before the the whistle even blows is he is he trying to make them uncomfortable for a particular re- I mean that's where we are now trying to manipulate this this narrative into something that, oh, Jurgen Klinsmann's trying to make them uncomfortable, to make them react, to make them improve. Is that possible at this point in a Gold Cup?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, he always talks about comfort zones. I mean, you've probably seen these uh, press conferences and, and uh, interviews where he talks about challenging players, getting out of their comfort zone. I mean, yeah, you know, it's a matter of opinion at this point. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm, you know, I always think it's great when a national team tries, a national team manager tries to get them in their comfort zone because he's not with them a lot, he's not with them that much. He's not with these, these, players. It's best when they, when he comes in and puts players in their natural position, puts them in places where they're comfortable with and they can kind of, uh, you know, you know, take some, any kind of positive momentum that they have with their club and bring it over to the national team, you know, a lot, a lot you know, in a much easier manner. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, figuring out Clemson particularly tactically is, has been very challenging for journalists and analysts. I mean, it's uh, you know, so many players play different roles with the national team that they do with their club. I mean, you know, Deandre Yedlin in the midfield, it doesn't even seem like he's being used as a right back anymore. And, you know, he uses players who are very inexperienced. I mean, Ventura Alvarado, before that it was Julian Green and Jordan Morris. So it's, um, yeah, it is challenging. And, uh, um, you know, it's a high-risk, high-reward. I mean, if it, if it goes well and they, you know, defeat Holland and Germany, he looks like a genius. But, you know, sometimes when things don't go well like they do in the first half, you, you know, you're left wondering, uh, what is this guy all about? Um, and, uh, you know, what, what direction is his team going in and, and why did he make those moves and then why did he – Start. Why were the second half substitutions that put players in their comfortable positions? Why did they work out so well? Why did not he start off the game that way? <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't I don't have an answer for you, and it's one of the things. And I don't think I'm ever really going to have an answer yeah. for you uh, with with Jurgen so y- it's a, he's a very puzzling guy as head coach.
1: Jurgen, why do I have an ulcer? Why am I losing my hair? Jurgen, why, why, why? Is Brian Shireta from American Soccer Now, uh, New York Times? <laughs> Go follow him on Twitter at Brian Sharetta. Brian, it's good to talk to you, man. I hope we uh, can have you back before the end of the tournament. And I hope that involves some stronger U.S. performances.
2: Yeah, me too, Jason. Thank you very much.
1: Let's take a break. When we come back, Andy Brassel will join us to talk about some transfer news coming out of Europe. Schneiderland, Schweinsteiger, Casillas, it's all happening. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Saturday, the U.S. men's national team will play in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup and will be two steps away from reaching the final for the sixth consecutive tournament. Soccer Morning Listeners, I'd like to invite you to join me as I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions during the game live on Rabble.tv. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. With Rabble, you can listen to my broadcast on your desktop. Through your iOS app and now through your mobile browser. You can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Will Jurgen Klinsman be able to get this U.S. team firing in all cylinders again? Find out this Saturday, July 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me live on Ravel.tv. morning on world soccer talk with jason davis You get that music correct apologies for that jason davis back on soccer morning join now via skype by andy Brassel. you can find him all over the place uh the guardian espn fc on twitter at andy Brassel. andy how are you very well and you i am well it is uh it is summer silly season we've got a lot of things happening in the in the transfer market, uh, players moving all over the place, lots of drama, lots of intrigue, lots of, uh, I don't know, prima donnas uh, and the like. I'm going to start with uh, Igor with Casillas leaving Real Madrid for Porto. I-, I scanned a piece that you wrote at ESPN FC this morning. And I, what's fascinating to me, and I think for a lot of people this is the story, isn't necessarily that Igor Casillas is leaving Real Madrid, but it's this... Uh, it 's this review of his legacy and certainly the last couple of years uh the 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 benching by uh, jose Mourinho, and, and where he fits into the, the to the lore of of Real madrid it is is that more interesting than him leaving or at the age of thirty four
0: um, in a sense i guess i i think um people have all of a sudden for, forgotten these last two seasons i think and um the, the interesting thing for me being um not that he was Dropped by Mourinho, uh, which a lot of people assumed was politically motivated. Um, but the fact that uh, Carlo Ancelotti, despite being such an adept politician, and you know, that's why he was the perfect coach of Real Madrid in, in, in so many ways, didn't see fit uh, to recall him uh, to, to the team. You know, he was his second choice goalkeeper and him keeping him in for the, the the Champions League game. Certainly, like for, for the season before last, he was his second choice goalkeeper. And keeping him in for the Champions League games was um, simply a a way of, you know, throwing a bone to the the powers that be at the club. I suppose it was at least a a partial rehabilitation last season in that he was first choice again. But, you know, he he never really gave you the feeling that he was what he was. Um, I think if you go back to the... Um, 6 months before he was he was dropped by Mourinho um you see a, a growing vulnerability on crosses and uh, you know that's at least part of the reason that you could argue that there was a, a sporting case for for leaving him out um that was something that resurfaced again in the Champions League final with a goal conceded to Diego Godin of Atletico Madrid that nearly cost Real Madrid uh, La Decima that 10th mm-hmm. European cup um so I think there's a certain amount to prove for Iker Casillas, obviously over the entirety of his career. And I think you must judge the entirety of his career. Um, he deserves to, um, have this legendary status. And I think him moving from Real Madrid at least allows his legacy to be taken as a whole rather than just recent times, which, um, I think he's only right and is only fair. Um, but for me, Quite what Porto get out of this is is open to question. I think it's a very expensive deal for them. Um, he's getting the biggest contract, even with his payoff from Real Madrid, um, reducing the contract that, that that he's given at Porto. Um, it, it's still the, the the biggest salary that anyone has ever received in in the Portuguese league. Um, so he needs to be worth it.
1: Certainly, open question there as to whether or not, uh, as you said, he, he's worth the money. A big name, but uh, what does that bring to to Porto? I'm not sure. Let's uh, let's turn now to to Manchester United. Who's um, I, I, I'm I'm a little unclear, and I and I, I'll certainly admit, Andy, that I don't pay that close attention to what the program is supposed to be at Manchester United. But is this is there a youth movement, or are are they looking for experience? I seem to be doing two things at once. Is that with Bastian Schweinsteiger? Obviously, they signed Morgan Schneiderlin recently. We know about Memphis Depay what's the what's the the goal in the in the the what what's the program supposed to be under Louis van halle at this point
0: well I, I think it was always the case and that you know they could play one of a number of formations next season be it uh 3, five, two, uh, four, three, three which is the traditional van Hal shape or the four one four one with which they finished last season and you, you get the impression that the players they have could fit into any of those systems now i, I think um when he exported the 3-5-2 from the Netherlands World Cup team uh, and introduced it at Old Trafford right at the start of last season, it seemed a weird fit um, because, of course, it was a way of uh, getting two strikers in the team whilst preserving that natural width, that playing from one side of the pitch to uh, the, the other that um, Van Gaal really loves. But, you know, it was very much a case of forcing... Um, square pegs in round holes for a, a lot of the time, especially when you looked at the wing-backs. Um, I think now you, you feel it's, it's going to take better shape for him. And I, I really like the, the way that, despite getting Schweinsteiger, um, they've got Schneiderlin as well, um, because I feel that can be quite complementary at the base of the midfield. It was clearly the weakest point of the team. Yes. And um, I think in any team, ideally, you want a happy marriage between experience and, and youth and I you know I feel they're getting both Um obviously there's there's still a way to go there was plenty of improvements be made despite the fact they achieved the bare minimum of the top four Um but sorting out what really is a problem area of the team which uh, Schweinsteiger and Schneiderlin and really they should take the pressure off each other Schneiderlin uh, having Schweinsteiger to give him that bit of extra experience and Schneiderlin to be the legs for Schweinsteiger because, of course, he's had his injury problems over the last couple of years. Um, so I'm I'm optimistic for them that it should work quite well.
1: Well, I, I, the reported fee for Schweinsteiger is uh, 15 million pounds, if I'm correct. Is that is, is he worth that at this point in his career? And is it either re- really here or there because it's United and they certainly have that money to burn?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so because <clears throat> it's it's United and because it's the Premier League. You know, there's no real. Thing as a bargain anymore uh, for Premier League clubs because, of course, the whole world knows they've got that television money burning a massive hole in their their, their pockets. I think in that context, it's it's, it's a good deal. Um, it's, it's certainly a, a, a palatable loss if it didn't go well. Um, but I think, and when you look at Bayern and Bayern's players, particularly mourning the loss of Schweinsteiger, it's, it's, it says a lot about. You know, he's he's more than a player. Yeah. They're, they're not just buying a, a guy to, like, play 50 games a season. I don't think they are buying a guy to play 50 games a season. They're buying a, a winning mentality, mm-hmm. and that's something that's very important.
1: Absolutely. You, you can see Schweinsteiger stepping right in and being a, a leading figure, whether it's vocally or, yeah. or just uh, as as he sets an example on the field. Uh, let's talk about uh, Raheem Sterling. Uh, looks like this is all going to sort itself out, and he'll end up as a Manchester City player. It's It's been a long Process to get to this point: forty-nine million pounds for Raheem Sterling. I asked the same question: Is he worth
0: that? Um, at the moment, no. In time, he might be. Um, City can afford to speculate more than most. Um, I, I think it is speculation to a, a certain extent. You know, you're not talking about a guy who's, you know, had three or four absolutely irresistible Premier League seasons. It's been um, you know, intermittent excellence, I, I think you can say at best so far. So uh, the potential is there, but it is potential. It- it's not the finished article by any means. Um, call me old-fashioned. I- I'd like to think for the most expensive fee ever paid for a British player, you would expect some sort of sure thing. And I, I don't think he's that yet. I don't even think you can say he's a sure thing for the Manchester City first 11 as, as things stand. Um he's he's going to have to fight for a spot there. Um, You could argue it should always be that way at the very biggest club, Um, that it's something that Raheem Sterling wants uh, because he wants to be um, competing with the very best players on his team, that he wants to be competing for trophies, which is, it seems, what he thought wasn't the case at at Liverpool and they'd let it slip too much since um, the departure of Luis Suarez in in particular. Mm -hmm. Personally, of course, it's his choice. But I felt he would have been better staying at Liverpool, where a team would have been built around him. I know a lot of people think Liverpool have taken their eye off the ball too much. So in the last year or so, so they maybe have themselves to blame for that. But you know, I felt there were very few bigger clubs where, or bigger teams, let's say, where. Um, He'd have been an automatic pick and someone you build the team around, and I, I think that's hugely important at his age. I,
1: it still feels as though Raheem Sterling needs to be incubated a little bit more, and and yeah. that that was it's a situation where certainly Liverpool seems more um, more appropriate for that sort of sort of thing. Except as a young player with big dreams and certainly you know uh, pound signs in his eyes, he he wants to go for that prize. Is is he? Don't, I guess what I want to get to here is, is he to blame for the attitude or is this is this a, gr- a wider problem when it comes to, to young British players? And and is Pellegrini getting a problem child?
0: Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think a lot's been made of this. Uh, his agent's been quite clumsy in his, his public statements. I think that's something that's quite clear. Um, but all Raheem Sterling's really... Shown is, you know, a desire to go and play for a club that wins stuff okay. and that's in the Champions League. Um, at that point, uh, of course, Liverpool is still a huge club in world terms, but at that point, at this point, Liverpool are not that. Um, so I guess he felt he, he couldn't wait any longer. Maybe, I mean, we'll never know, but maybe it would have been different if they'd have qualified for the, the Champions League last, uh, last, se- for this season, if, if they'd have had a better end to, to last season but he obviously felt he, he didn't have the time to wait and th- though it's been quite fashionable to to jump on him and his, his supposed attitude and you know maybe he could have handled it a, a bit better um, I think if the limit of people's objections to him are we well, didn't ask to leave in quite the right way I, I think that's that's a little harsh I, I think to an extent you really have to applaud his ambition.
1: Let's, uh, let's turn to the club he's leaving, and that's, that's Liverpool, who I don't think had a, had a much of a choice here. I mean, he, he had, no. uh, the situation had, had devolved to the point where he had to go, and they're gonna get 49 million pounds for him, and, and ultimately they can use that to strengthen their squad. Now, as far as I, if I remember correctly, what they've added this, this summer is mostly, Roberto Firmino stands, stands out, uh, Nathaniel Klein and, uh, James Milner from, from City. What do they need to go in, and do and, and how do they not only do how do they replace Raheem Sterling, uh, but how do they make sure that it's clear they they are putting forth the full effort um, for a very, uh, a very demanding fan base?
0: Well, I think they need to find their, their, their true identity, really. Uh, you know, it's what made them so potent in 2013, 2014. Um, and, and that was lost, not just because Suarez went, but the sense of momentum in their play went. Of course, part of that was the fact that Daniel Sturridge was was out, um, but it was also in the players they brought in in Balotelli and, and, and Lambert. You know they were never going to be able to, you know, have the they didn't have the style to bring that sort of impetus, that maintain that sort of impetus that, that Liverpool had and the way they managed to maul teams in the first half hour of, of, of games in in thirteen fourteen. Um, so whether that's the way they're going to go again. And I think as a, as a neutral, it would be brilliant to see them do that. Uh, really enjoyable to watch when they're like that. I think Firmino is is someone who can help towards that. Um, I, I think the signings are very good. Um, they're diverse. They fill definite needs, um, in, in both the Liverpool squad and, and, and the Liverpool setup. Um, I think, for example, Nathaniel Klein, it sounds a simple thing. Um, but just having a reliable plug for that right-back spot means Emre Chan, who's the one outstanding signing of last season, isn't going to get stuck there again where he looked completely uncomfortable and it was unfair of, of Brendan Rogers to, to to farm him out there. Now he can develop a specialist position probably in midfield in front of the defence and I, I think he'll be excellent there. Um, but they need to have a definite plan. I know Rogers prides himself on his tactical flexibility but the players need to know what they're doing. They need to know what their go-to plan is, and especially the younger players need some sort of definite framework to, to develop around because, you know, signings who've been written off like like Markovic, like, to a lesser extent, Lallana, are still developing at the very highest level. You know, you, you can't expect them to, to get it all right in the first six or eight months and, you know, they've got time on their side, but they need to be given some sort of stability to flourish and that also i think a very important issue is is central defence i think that that needs yeah, to right. be secured in the shape of the defence
1: well, is all of that more is that all of that made easier or harder by the departure of gerard
0: um easier okay. I, I think um there was always a, a sort of pressure to 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 fit him in somewhere to make him continue to feel important last season um i, I don't think it it helped uh, Jordan Henderson, from an authority perspective, because it was always clear he was going to be uh, Gerard's successor as, as, as captain. I, I think he could be a really good captain for Liverpool. Um, and he will be their leader in a, in a very different way. He's not a blood and thunder kind of guy, but he leads by example. And he had a difficult um, start to his own Anfield career. You know, they were prepared to sell him after a year. And I think he can turn around to guys like. Uh, Markovic, who had that tough start, and say, you know what, I've I've been there, and it's not that bad, and you can come back, and you can make yourself an important player for this club, um, which I think is really important.
1: Um, l- last but not least, here, uh, Andy, is the, um, it, it, you know, obviously it, it didn't come down or it didn't it didn't come together, but uh, to see a, a club like Stoke City make a a bid for Jardin Shakiri and and so just some of the money that's flying around in the premier league among clubs that most people certainly uh, from the outside aren't really, <laughs> aren't really aware that they have this. So w- w- just to get, you know, to sort of frame up how the, the premier league's money is coming to bear on, on the the transfer market, but also what it, what it means that clubs like Stoke are out there making 12, uh, 12 million pound offers for players like Jordan and
0: Shik- Well, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, I think it shows, though, uh, from, for a player like Shakiri, who is someone who's, I think, not quite elite level is, is, is fair to say. He's not there yet. He's a very, very good player. Um, someone who's very close to that level for a, a sort of middle of the table, bottom half of the table sort of name, at least. Um, of course, Stoke did excellently under Mark Hughes last season, convincing them to come is, is something different. I, I think it could be really hard. And of course, they're stretching themselves wage wise to, 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 to make that commitment. So, you know, they, they were, they were close or they felt they were close with Shakiri. Um, ditto with Yevgen Konoplianka, um, from Dnipro, who's ended up at Sevilla. It was a target for Tottenham too. Um, so getting that first major signing over the line can be, Quite difficult. I think, in a sense, it can be almost quite problematic for these um, below the very top level in the Premier League teams. Because, I mean, I, I remember reading—I um, talked about this earlier in the week. I remember reading a, a, a piece by uh, Sid Lowe before the Europa League final. It was an interview with uh, Unai Emery, the coach of Sevilla, and he was saying when he went in to take Gaston Ramirez on loan from Southampton last season, um, Ramirez wouldn't even speak to them just because he had an offer from whole city that absolutely blew it out of the water financially. And, um, you know, I think in a sense, the fact that there is this money available, um, can make you the target for the wrong sort of player, the the sort Mm -hmm. of player who, who just wants to make money and is not really bothered about, you know, winning stuff or, or not bothered about, a legacy, which Conoplianka clearly was, because he could have got more money coming to the Premier League than he could have joining Sevilla. It's the reverse of the Gaston Ramirez situation. I mean, you know, Sevilla are, are, are no little fish. They're, they're a team that's won the Europa League twice in a row. I think they'll do very, very well in the Champions League this season, and they're going to be pushing towards that top four in La Liga all over again.
1: All right, Allied, one more question, because it's uh, of of big interest here in the States and certainly down. In Mexico, uh, do you have a sense uh, of of what's on the what's on um, on the table for for Javier Hernandez, and not where he might end up, but but certainly he's got to have a lot of offers in Europe. But I guess I suppose that's a matter of his ambition after the, the poor loan at, at Real Madrid.
0: Well, it's funny, of course, because he had a really good end to that spell at Real yes. Madrid. And- yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the fact that he scored a couple of vital goals, and it's, it's one especially vital goal, of course, against uh, Atletico in the, in, in the Champions League. It was his all-round implication in the games. I, I thought he was excellent, and, you know, it's, it's not enough to just be a striker who waits for the chance and scores uh, at an elite-level club. So, uh, for him to prove that he could get involved and not be out of his depth, uh, I think it was really important. Um The thing that concerns me, and um, maybe it is the Real Madrid connection to a a certain extent, but that he'll go the same way as Javier Saviola, who uh, traveled around a a lot of, a lot of elite level clubs and a lot of very, very good clubs um, in Europe without really 100% establishing himself anywhere. And I think at this point, at this age, uh, Javier Hernandez needs to find a club that's going to rely on him, that's going to let him play all the time, that's going to, if he's not used to playing all the time, which he's, he's not, and you know he's not been for a very long time at United either, to sort of build that stamina as well. Um, so a, a team that expects a lot of him, um, but it's not going to rush him into starting 50 games a season. I think it's very, very important he just makes the right move having made the Real Madrid move and as you say in entirety it not really working out and mm-hmm. I don't think there was ever the sense that it would really work out I, I think he wanted to try it of course it was, it was it's always tempting to, to join someone like Real Madrid sure, and yeah. it got him out there in a, in a certain way but knowing that he's got offers he just needs to make the right move so he's, he's not twiddling his thumbs and we're not having the same conversation again in 12 months time
1: absolutely Andy Brassel follow him on Twitter I don't know why I'm sure everybody who listens to this show is already following Andy no Brassel go follow him on Twitter uh, in, uh, enjoyed it thank you very much Andy appreciate it and uh, perhaps we'll have, a back, have you back in the near future thank you yeah, there goes Andy Brassel good stuff uh, amazing uh, money being spent by Premier League teams and we'll see where Javier Hernandez ends up it's soccer morning when we come back we'll take your phone calls on a Tuesday don't go anywhere be right back
0: To soccer morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis.
1: Here we are back on Soccer Morning, squeezing in a few of your phone calls here on a Tuesday. Perhaps you'd like to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team right now after the group stage. Three games in, two wins, one draw, seven points. Does it get it done for you? Probably doesn't feel too great. I don't think anybody's standing here thinking, "Oh, this team's going to roll." Yeah. Hey, the- They got the gold cup in their hands. No, of course not. Even though, as mentioned to Brian Sharetta, neither Mexico nor Costa Rica have impressed so far in this tournament. I mean, in that that Panama team you saw last night, you think they're going to go win a title? They they might not even make the knockout rounds. Haiti's going to finish second in Group A. Already did. We still, and you know what? Somebody asked me, somebody who is only moderately interested in soccer. Oh, uh, what happens? What needs to happen for Mexico to play in Baltimore this weekend? Because I happen to be in DC. Baltimore is very close. They were curious about a possible trip to go see Mexico play. Don't ask. It's a story. And I said, I have no idea because it's impossible to tell you because things have, you have to wait until things play out. You can't, I can't, I, well, if Mexico loses to Trinidad and Tobago and Guatemala beats Cuba, by eight goals, cause that's the goal difference. Then we might have a tiebreaker, but they will, uh, I don't know. Mexico's already in to the, to the knockout rounds. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Or, or no, they're not, they're not in yet. My apologies. They, that's right. They can still, I suppose they could still, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. There's no way Mexico is playing in Baltimore this week, and I'm just saying. If somebody asked me, how could that possibly happen? Phone lines are open six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. Let's go to a former guest on the show, regular guest on the show, my man Kevin up in Philly. Kevin Kincaid's on the line. What's up,
2: Kevin? Jason, hey, what's going on?
1: Hey, you want to you want to yell about the All Star Game? Is that what you want to do?
2: Yeah, or I can complain more about the union if you'd like, but I think I've given you guys enough of that for well, one year. Well,
1: whatever's on your mind, Kevin. I want this to be <laughs> I want this to be your forum here. Go ahead.
3: Well, you know,
2: you know, on one hand with the All-Star thing and the Frank Lampard and the Steven Gerrard selections, you know, a lot of people are are saying, you know, ah, oh, come on, it's just an All-Star game. This is how these things always go. You know, it's a marketing kind of thing. I I understand. I think I think when you look at it that way with what Don Garber did by selecting these two guys and trying to maximize the number of eyes from the U.K. who are watching this game, you have an English team, the two former English stars who are going to be playing against them. I mean, that's great for marketing to, to the United Kingdom. You know, how many eyeballs are going to be on this game over there? That, that, to piggyback off of the Sky Sports TV deal that they have going on over there now, You know, I understand why he did that um from that perspective to try to you know increase the international profile of the game you know I think I understand them on on that drop the that butt side of kevin it, but.
1: drop the butt you've been I've been waiting for the butt where's the butt
2: it's i mean it's it's a it's such a slap in the face jason to all these other players you know who have been you know on these planes traveling to these games playing all season long working their butts off you know i just think the all-star game is something i, I see it as as a way to reward Players for their performance on on the field, you know, it should be merit. It should be an award that they get, um, you know, based on their play on the field and how well they've performed this year. And so it's a huge mockery to uh, pick two guys who haven't even who haven't even played okay. a game this all year. Right. Come on, all right. And, and it, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Man. No, 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 no. I, I, I. I you've outlined all of the reasons why I'm not so worked up about it, and then you flip it around and say I'm worked up about it because it's a Travis <laughs> mockery of, of and look. If, first of all, uh, I don't know if MLS players are overly concerned about being named to the All-Star team, unless, again, unless they have a bonus clause in the contract. If that's the case, then yeah, we're taking money out of the pocket of, of certain guys who probably aren't making all that much. And that's a shame. Do they care? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be, I'd be curious. I mean, they, they're going to say that they do because they're not stupid. They're going to say, yeah, of course I like, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be an All-Star. But come on, this thing, everybody knows what this is, Kevin. We all know what this is. The fact that I watch it is more a matter of habit and routine and uh, the communal Twitter experience than it is actual interest. I don't care if they beat Tottenham. I, I do not yeah. care. So, I mean, I, I, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. Um, and, and maybe if you're, if you're on the player side in that, that epic struggle that is players versus management, that's where you, that's where your loyalties end up because Clearly, this is a this is a a a commissioner making a pick for business reasons of two guys who don't need any more cash in their pockets at the uh you know at at at, while two other guys who probably do miss out. I, I
2: get that. Well, that's the problem It's that inherently, I mean, I think we all look at the all-star game in a different way. You know, MLS, you know, looks at it as a marketing opportunity. You know, we, I think the writers and the media look at it as an opportunity for giving credit where credit's due. You know, the fans, I think, look at it as a way to, to vote for their favorite players and see them on the field. You know, against an English Premier League team or Bayern Munich or something like that. And, you know, when you have people who define what this game is in three different ways, that's why you're going to have these differing opinions, obviously. You know, I just, I just think it's our our responsibility to try to, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, let these people you know, be picked by Don Garber and Pablo Mascherini or whatever, but then we're going to throw around the term All-Star, always a three-time All-Star, a two-time All-Star. Yeah, so, I know. I know. You know, I... that's something that's that's merit, you know, and so it's, it's just confusing, I think, because we all look at it in a different way, and that's okay. why, Fair enough. you know, we're all sitting here making good points but they're all but nothing's really, yeah. one's not more correct
1: you, you're true, you're, you're, you're right on that front it does, the, the changing excuse, I, gotta, I gotta run Kevin, appreciate the call Yeah,
2: man.
3: The, the, yeah ch- you got
1: the changing um, the changing context of what is an all-star and how much how important being an all-star is and how much of an honor it is That that is that is an issue just, just historically, Roberto in, in Connecticut uh, quickly man, you're on the air
3: Hey, Jason, good morning. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask, what do you think away from these three matches in the United States? Do you feel that possibly if you had the chance to pick a certain back line or that if Beasler gets in um, for the knockout stage, uh, who would you pick, and would it be possible that he comes back?
1: Who comes back? Beasler. Oh, yeah, absolutely it's possible, especially with the yellow cards. To uh, Brooks is suspended for the quarterfinals. Uh, Alvarado's carrying a yellow. You've got Gonzalez and Reem on the bench, but why not bring in Beisler and shore that up? I mean, you, you could, I'm not sure who you swap out. I'd swap out Alvarado, to be honest with you. Uh, but. <laughs> no, 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 I agree. Yeah. So, uh, so if, uh, absolutely, it's possible. I, I, I still think that Beasler and Gonzalez make the best pairing the U.S. have right now. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what John Brooks brings to the table, but apparently Klinsman doesn't want to pair him with Gonzalez. And if that's the case, if you want a more cerebral center back alongside the, the, the big man, then, then bring in Beesler. I don't know that you have another guy on the roster who is adept at playing that role. Tim Rehm is, is a utility knife, but he is not best suited for that position at this level, I don't think.
3: Precisely, precisely. That's, what, that's exactly what I think. I think Beesler would work well with these Beazler. I just don't see Jurgen doing it
1: at any point. Uh, well, well, we'll find sure. out. We'll find out, Roberto. i got yeah, yeah. to move on. Anything else?
3: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, just one last question. Um will you be watching the Copa Libertadores semifinals
1: tonight? Um, if I remember to. I've got some other things going on, but if it's uh, what is what channel is it on? Is it on like University of Deportes or something? No. It's Fox not broadcast. It's not, broadcast, on, um, it's not broadcast. Oh what? Wait a second. Oh, it,
3: it's not broadcast on Fox Deportes because the uh, all star
1: game will be broadcast in Spanish. Oh, so I have to find a stream, Roberto, is that what you're telling me?
3: Unfortunately. But hey, um, it's that's on a tomorrow. Lot of work. It's on tomorrow. The it's a lot
1: of work. final Okay. Uh yes, right. I'll, I'll be paying attention. I know T Grace is down there. Uh thanks for the call, Roberto. I appreciate it. There's uh Roberto in Connecticut. Let's uh I'm trying to burn through lots of calls today. I'm trying to burn through all of you guys, get your chance on the air. Washington, up in NYC. Hey, how's it going, Jason? What's up? Hey,
3: How's it going, man? Uh, I know uh, you're living in time, so I'll make this quick, man. Uh I was watching uh, yesterday's game, USA Panama, and maybe it's just me and I want your opinion on this. Do those guys look miserable or what?
1: Oh, uh,
3: like, I mean, yeah. no. Come on, man. I, 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 was watching them play, and it's like they're almost just going through the motions. And I think I really think the source of that misery is Jurgen. Okay, but, <laughs> but 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 but, and,
1: and uh, you know, I will throw shade on Jurgen Klinsmann if I feel it's necessary. But in this particular case, they're playing in ninety-degree heat with like ninety percent humidity, Washington. That's not fun for anybody. I don't care where you're from. They're playing, in, they're playing in a game that means absolutely nothing to their forward progress in this tournament. It does not gonna, it's not going to change where they play, who they play. It's not changing a damn thing. I imagine getting up for that match, even if you want to build some momentum towards the quarterfinals, is difficult. So I'm not going to put that on Klinsman. I'm going to put that on the situation.
3: Okay. All right, cool. You made me feel a little better. All right, cool. All, All right. right. I'll I'll go with that. Thanks, I appreciate Robert.
1: it. There goes Washington up in NYC. Appreciate his call. Let's talk to another man in New York, is Mr. Bill. What's up, Bill?
3: How's it going, Jason? It's going well. I hate going after Washington. Nobody sounds better over the air than Washington.
1: <laughs> because you know what? He's got like good phone technique. Like you can tell, like he's right up on it and he's like, Jason. How are you doing? What's going on? (laughs)
3: He's a professional. He's a professional. I'm not sure if you talked about it. Did you talk about that crowd last night, that game?
1: I mentioned it. The best the best American performance on the night was from the crowd. They were brilliant, and that place is built to hold in noise, and you can tell fantastic across the board.
3: I'll tell you, I think that's where we should play our big games. I thought that was the best crowd. I couldn't hear the announcers. You know, my man uh,
1: my man Jared uh, just to back you up, my man Jared Dubois on Twitter. Out there said, I, I know Columbus is our girl, but and you know, this is Jared's analogy, not mine. Throw it at of him. Course. He Perfect. said, Columbus is our girl, but can but, but, but Sporting Park in Kansas City is over there washing the car in short shorts. So it's one of those things. <laughs>
3: Another thing I just wanted to bring I, I was so taken in by the crowd. I, I really didn't. I thought Zardis had a decent game. I heard uh. somebody else say earlier. But they didn't think he had a good game. What did you I, think? You
1: know, I, I think I was in the middle. I think I thought, I, you know, I saw Brian Shiretta had him at like a four and a half. I think I had him at a five and a half. I, I think he was not great in the first half, just like everybody else, and he picked it up in the second half and, and, and made, a, made a, some, some forward um, contributions once he was paired up with Clint Dempsey. Because for whatever reason in the first half, and, and we can go back and break it all down as we already have, he and Wandelowski got zero ball none of the ball in the first half and that made it difficult for him to be part of the uh, be part of the attack and when he dropped back defensively he's not always the best defender but I thought he I thought he fi- I thought he did fine Bill I thought he did fine yeah, yeah. I thought he was alright too
3: and I, thought, I know you wanted that time I throw out one more thing yeah one quickly go ahead wait I thought Precky had a job lined up in
1: Leicester <laughs> City. Is he going yeah, to anything else lined up for him? I guess. I guess the man's got something else going on because, again, all of the pieces lined up. It was Leicester City uh, has an opening. Then the uh, then the books, bookmakers slash the odds. Then Precky announces he's leaving Sacramento Republic. A- and you're just thinking, okay, this is too convenient. This is too... Something's going on here, and then all of a sudden they sign Claudio Ranieri, and it's like, wait, what? What, what does Precky do now? Like, did Precky, did Preki get a get an offer pulled off the table, and now he's screwed? Because uh, you know, I mean, that's that's. I hope not. I hope Precky... and and hopefully Preki lands on his feet. I love I love Precky being in soccer somewhere, coaching. Just a fun guy. I mean, for us, for us. To talk that's why
3: I was if there was another rumor for him going somewhere else.
1: I haven't heard anything, Bill. I got to run, but I appreciate the call, man. There goes uh, there goes Bill in okay. New York. Let's talk to. Uh, Oops. Let's talk to Auntie, who's who hasn't been on the air in a long time from Finland. What's up?
3: Hey, you know, I was just going to ask uh, if you have uh, seen in the Gold Cup any any guys from Caribbean or Central America who who should who could make a jump from from their domestic leagues to to MLS or or maybe NASL.
1: Um, you know, I, I I'd have to go and check on where these guys are playing. Here's uh, you know, I like uh, this this guy, uh, Guerrier, Guerrier from Haiti, uh, is a, a, a midfielder. Um, Where's number seven? I think for them. I, I was, I guess he's at Visla uh, Krakow right now, so I don't know if he's uh, available. But there's a couple of guys, a couple of the Haitian players impressed me. I mean, Cuba was so decimated; it's hard to tell. TNT's always got some players, especially young guys coming through. And then uh, you know, there's there's obviously a big uh, a big Jamaican contingent already in MLS. So it'll be interesting to see if um, if any of their their younger players who maybe are coming through the domestic uh, uh, domestic setups will end up in this league, or or in an ASL, I was I'm looking at I'm
3: looking at the Jamaica roster, and they had exactly two guys who still play in Jamaica. So most of them are. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. People, and, people uh, go pick. People go a, pick them a, off
1: in Jamaica. People go pick them off pretty early. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah. Just a piece of fact that at least during the the last uh, published uh, CBA of MLS, the uh, the all star bonus was part of the CBA, not individual contracts.
1: Okay, fair enough. I appreciate that. that's that's good information, Ati. I got to run, yeah. but thanks. Thank you for that. That's uh. That's very important, actually, when it comes to the context of those call-ups. All right. It looks like we're done. I think I missed one call. I apologize for that. Uh, Let's uh, wrap this up. Good Tuesday edition of the program. Two excellent guests. Thank you to Brian Sharetta. Brian Sharetta on Twitter. Find him at American Soccer Now in the New York Times. And Andy Andy Brassel, who really doesn't need me uh, to send you to any of his stuff because you're already reading it, but uh, just go Google Andy Brassel. Follow Andy Brassel on Twitter. Uh, do the thing that you should be already doing all right let's uh let's take off here then go to slash uh, store buy yourself a soccer morning mug and look i'm on video so i can uh, show off my t-shirt this is the uh the chuck blazer baller t-shirt you should go get that uh, over there right now we've got some other stuff that's very cool all right i'm out i'll see you on serious xmfc in about 38 minutes got it later